0: Thine is the kingdom and the power
1: and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. My name is Marshall. That it is. And Marshall, you're older than you were last time we met. I am, yeah. I am
0: 31 years old now.
1: You're not 30. You're in your 30s. I'm in my 30s. How does that feel?
0: You know what, Tim? I still feel good. Good? Yeah. Like, I'm not... I was a little, like, nervous about how I'd feel as I, you know, get older. And, I mean, I know I still got a long ways to go. And to some people, 31 probably seems really, really young. hmm But, uh, yeah, I still got some pep in my step. <laughs> I'm in my
1: prime, man. I'm in my prime. You're getting to that age when you'll start watching sports. And they'll say, "Can you believe this guy's still going?" Yeah, that's, that's kind of what you're creeping up on. Yeah,
0: like I'm already at the age where athletes my age who are playing professionally are veterans. Right. Right. So that's weird. That's yeah. a weird
1: thing. I, when Analia was three, we kept we were making such a big deal that she was going from three to four. For in our minds, there was just sort of like this jump from mm-hmm. our toddler to preschooler to like a kid sure kind of a thing yeah, and yeah. it was it was weirding us out uh and we were making a big deal about like you're going to be such a big girl and tomorrow you're 4 and it she we we're at dinner she just started bawling and we couldn't figure out why she's just crying and she never has been one to really want to talk about why she was upset mm-hmm. come to find out uh in her mind she was going to go to sleep and wake up and be like you know five foot eight (laughs) and and grown (laughs) and she just wasn't ready for that (laughs) she knew that there was still some kid stuff that she hadn't done that she wanted to accomplish before she became a an adult that's awesome um (laughs) we were able to be like no no you won't you won't even notice the difference you won't even be able to tell not five eight yet although
0: she was doing some babysitting for us or helping Lindsay do some babysitting for us and i was like wow she is getting tall tim she is. She's getting tall. She might end up being taller than you one day. She's tall.
1: I know. <laughs> I know. I have a niece. My my whole family's about my height. Okay. I'm not tall. Five nine, five ten, whatever. Um, I have a niece that's over six foot, yeah. just out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Brooklyn. Who doesn't listen? Oh, that's too bad. Her dad might. Her grandma does. Nice. Whatever. Thanks, Grandma. That's your mom? <laughs> Nana Mac. Nana Mac. <laughs> All right. We, we didn't come here for any of that. We did not. But know. it's fun anyway. Sure. Uh, question 42. How is the word of God to be read and heard? Hmm. Why does it matter?
0: Well, when we understand in that the scriptures are a vital resource uh, for the Christian life, um, we have to consider how they should be used or how they should be approached or handled, right? Do we approach the reading of God's Word or the hearing of God's Word, which is an interesting kind of part of the question that we can talk about in a bit. Um, whether that's privately or publicly, we have to consider how we're going about that, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a worthy topic of
1: discussion. Sure. What, what do we do with... The Word of God. Mm-hmm. How might it have gone wrong, in the past or in the present? Yeah.
0: Um, well, I mean, the o- most obvious answer um, is that it's just not read or heard at all, or nearly sure. enough, right? Right. Even amongst professing believers. Right. Um, I mean,
1: that's that's an obvious one. I, I would say the greatest struggle in the church, currently and historically is biblical illiteracy. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's the gateway with which many false teachings find their foothold um, and by which many people led astray. When Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he tells them, I, I tell you these things so that you're not dragged away by plausible arguments. Mm-hmm. And And I think when Christians are like, well, I know enough to believe. I don't really get into reading my Bible or studying it particularly, that's the danger. A good, plausible argument is not something that that they understand at a nuanced enough level to be able to come against or guard themselves against. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and I I would say, kind of to that point, or kind of the other other side of the coin, perhaps, you could say, is not only does um, reading, hearing the Word of God... um, prevent us from being led astray, but it also directs us towards how we ought to do things. And I would say a lot of the issues that can persist within churches um, would be at least somewhat resolved or better handled if people were reading and hearing the Word of God more, if they were more biblically literate. Not to say that, you know, if we all just read our Bibles more, there'd be no problems and it'd be bubblegum and rainbows forever. Mm -hmm. But I think how we approach the difficult situations that come up as believers, um, we would be better equipped to deal with those if yeah. we were in the word more. Absolutely. Um, I think another wrong approach um, would be to, to approach uh, Scripture in a less than spiritual way. So to fail to consider how the Spirit is working in that process as the word of God is being read, as the word of God is being heard. Sure. Right. Remembering from what we discussed a number of weeks ago, when we are talking about the Holy Spirit, about how bringing us scripture um, is a mighty work of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the study of God's word or the um, consuming of God's word shouldn't be done um, apart from this understanding that the spirit is working in and through that
1: yeah. A uh, couple that I had.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We can, for the sake of being relevant or better understood, overly paraphrase the Bible mm. and then present it as scripture. Okay. Although yeah. it has been changed to a degree that, although the general themes might be the same, it fails to be the Word of God. I think about mm. one on your shelf that is a. The Bible written in '90s street slang.
0: Word on the street. Word on the. Street. It's also a UK version, so it's like you like it's like British street lingo from the '90s. It's it's hilarious, but also kind of
1: terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we will we will never at any point fill our pews with those Bibles to no. say this is uh, this is what we use because it's the bomb, diggity yo. <laughs> and the guy. The guy
0: uh who came up with it, I'm sure he was trying to do a good thing, sure, but yeah. sometimes we try well you, intended yeah sometimes our our yeah, I was gonna say the road to
1: <laughs> 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 never mind <laughs> I, I i think i think in a in a less conspicuous way and and this is a bit of a personal hang up that I have, okay, I really am not a fan of. Children's Bibles. And this is not to say that we have a stack of like 15 of them at home. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, but when a children's Bible is really a collection of five to 10 stories out of the Bible that use biblical characters to summarize a story, but no biblical language. Mm. It's not a bad book. it's not a Bible, sure. yeah and I okay, whatever the word Bible means book, I get that. but we are assigning a specific meaning to the word Bible yeah as a specific book that is a collection of books. yes and so so just to to drop in whatever stories come with good cartoon character illustrations uh, yep. Great story, buy them for your kids, read it to them, be careful of them. Sometimes they don't point to Christ, they just are random stories (laughs) using biblical characters (laughs) that have nothing to do with anything Bible, except for the names of the characters and maybe roughly the events. Uh, But to call them a Bible is a bit much. Fair enough. And another hang up that I have is when we do a book study in the church and we call it a Bible study. Yeah, it's not a Bible study. It's not a Bible study. And I will sit there and correct myself, and people in my life will say, you don't have to correct yourself every time you say it. Everyone knows what you mean. And if you just say Bible study, people get the concept, and they know that that book is not the Bible. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to say it the right way. It's a book study. It is a book yeah. study. So those are those are a couple of things that I think of when I, I think of sort of low-key ways that we can go about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, those two are basically in publishing the Bible. Sure. Um, Ways we can go about it the wrong way in our reading and presentation. Uh, I think I, I've already blasted uh, children's Bibles and gotten raised eyebrows from you. Uh, <laughs> no, how about okay. this one? Morning devotional culture. Hmm. Morning devotions, I think, have led us into a bad habit of reading the Bible. Um, I think morning devotions are great. and I think people should do them. But generally what they are is ascendance from the Bible. Without any contextual background, mm-hmm. followed by um, a page of what that means, um, or what it means for your day, mm-hmm. in particular, right? Right. Um, these things are not necessarily bad in of themselves. No. Oswald Chambers made his name for them. Mm-hmm. The great Charles Spurgeon wrote mm-hmm. "Mornings and Evenings." Um, so these things these things are not to be just done away with right we hand out daily bread here but the problem is they can teach us to read the bible poorly Mm. in that we have a good understanding of bible verses Mm -hmm. but not a good understanding of the bible as a bigger picture and how those verses fit into those stories
0: yeah yeah no that's fit that's fair
1: in fact i i get a lot of people arriving and be like hey i got this person struggling with this thing what's a good bible verse for them Right, And I'm, and I'm, I'm just a context guy. Um, and so I'm, I'll be like, how about this chapter? How about first John? Hmm. Right? Like you're going to need more than a Bible verse for them to understand what the verse means. And, and maybe, maybe a Psalm, a chapter from Psalms, hmm. because there's a verse in there that is really the key that we want to focus on, but you need the rest of it yeah. to bring that thing to the position of power that it deserves. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So those are some things that I think we can mess up when handling the word of God.
0: For sure. For sure. And I would just, you know, I had a lot of those things as well. I think, um,
1: did you have, did you have children's Bibles?
0: I did not have children's Bibles though. No. Um, but I would say also we need to be careful about our, uh, our approach to scripture that, um, we don't come at it with an agenda hmm Right? Or that we don't put ourselves over the text, but put ourselves... We need to make sure we're putting ourselves under the text. Right. Right? Um, because if we get that backwards, um, well, it's been the cause of a lot of false teaching, right? People mm-hmm. using the Bible, rather than, than, than being informed by the Bible, but, you know, using bits and pieces to say what they want it to say for yeah, their own you-
1: benefit. Using a predetermined outlook to uh, filter the way that we read the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I've dis- I've already decided that in my mind, this is what is truth. And I'm going to use that as the filter of how I interpret the Scripture. Right. And if I have to twist or pull on something here and there to uh, make it work, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Good one.
0: The catechism says this in how is the word of God to be read and heard with diligence, preparation and prayer so that we may accept it with faith, store it in our hearts and practice it in our lives. So, all right. Diligence, diligence. Um, if anyone's curious, I mean, I, I know diligence isn't one of those words that people be entirely unfamiliar with, but the, the basic definition, uh, careful and persistent work or effort sure I thought that's that's helpful right that we handle the scriptures with a degree of care um, we apply effort into the process mm-hmm. even in the hearing of it right that we 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 listen with effort um, and we do it regularly and intentionally right right I think that's what it means to to read it or hear it with diligence
1: yeah and and to me there's Diligence brings this level of intimacy with it, hmm. right? Um, this is why, and I don't care. If your church does it, I that's fine. Um, but I've made the choice to never have the passage we're reading on the screen. Hmm. Um, I want people to bring their Bibles. Um, people are like, oh, it's all right. I got it on my phone. <laughs> I, I don't even... I, I don't think that's a best practice. Yeah. Because I know when I open my phone, I have like four or five notifications that are vying for my attention. Mm-hmm. And while I've got my phone out, um, the temptation to check in on things mm-hmm. is much higher. Sure. Um also there is nothing that connects us to a screen, whereas when we see a passage on a page, there's even even inside of the human brain, there's this issue of spatial recognition, that seeing that passage that really got you in the top left-hand corner on the right-hand page just sticks. Mm. And and it it freezes itself there in time. And when you're looking for it again, that is a helpful thing. Or, or when you think about it, you can see it there on the page. And, and that book that travels with you, I, I mentioned on Sunday that I'm a bit sentimental about things themselves and I'm particularly that way about Bibles. And and I I just feel like there's an intimacy that comes with a physical Bible in your hand being used Mm. that I want to encourage people to do not only diligently at home using the Bible that you read through, uh, but bringing a Bible with you to church, right? I'm not saying you have to have one Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you do, they start getting worn out, which looks awesome. Yeah. Um, I have Bibles that I read in the office. I have one Bible that I only preach from. I don't use it for anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not like I'm I'm saying you have to have one Bible, and that's the only thing that you use. I use electronic Bibles and stuff like that when I'm studying as well. Sure. I, I'm just saying that, that there is something about that physical page and that intimacy and a diligence inside of that mm-hmm. that does make a difference, even in how we remember the things that we're reading or are being read to us yeah
0: no I would agree with that I would agree and I'm also a fan of highlighting I know not everyone is but I think yeah. there's nothing wrong with highlighting a
1: Bible I, I write it in all of my Bibles the reason I have a preaching Bible is because it's the one Bible I don't write in right okay the only thing written in that Bible is I've highlighted uh, the passage from uh, communion right so that while I'm there I can flip quickly to it mm-hmm. there it is in front of me yeah and we're ready to go awesome so, we do it with diligence. We do it with preparation.
0: So, mm. there's two, I would say, in relationship to this idea of preparation, I want us to consider two different contexts. Let's. Okay. First one is our own context. Mm-hmm. Right. So, are we mentally, emotionally, spiritually prepared for what is happening here? Right. Right. If indeed God is speaking to us through his word as it is read as it is preached as we hear it um are we in the right state for that and i get it like i get that life is busy and crazy and all sorts of things and i get mm-hmm. that we're never going to be in this perfectly zen moment to you know to receive god's word but we need to um, seek to prepare ourselves and understand our own context so avoiding distractions um, that sort of thing like where are we yeah. at when we, when we come to this place. Yeah,
1: and th- this is a tough one to do as a universal thing. Sure, um, yeah, totally. I, I think I think it's a really common thing that a lot of people don't think about. Um, stay-at-home moms battle with this, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you go to Instagram, and you see these shots people are taking, you know, I got my cup of coffee, I got my Bible laid out, I'm just gonna spend an hour in the Word and in prayer, and that's an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're shooting for. Mm. But when you're a stay at home mom, you don't get that kind of time. Yeah, it's just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they don't need to feel pressured to be there. Yeah, right. There's a one I would say if your kids grow up remembering mommy reading their Bible, reading her Bible while they were running around and bugging her. That's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to wait until the perfect moment. In fact, maybe you should be taking a nap when the kids are napping and not trying yeah. to go. Oh, this is the only quiet moment of the day. I have to use this. Right. Um, it's not a bad thing for your kids to grow up having watched you do your quiet time in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 secondly, there's a gap between, hey, I'm I'm doing what I got, um, versus like, oh. You know, Bible app sends me verse of the day and between checking my Facebook scrolls, I also see that. And that's my time in the word. Right. Right. Like there's there's a huge gap between these things. I would say avoid the second. Don't be afraid of the first. Mm. Right. There will come a point in your life. Stay at home moms while I'm on that soapbox when, when that'll become an easier thing. Sure. Yeah, totally. Right. When eventually you'll be like, you know what? I got too much quiet time in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but but for this season, no one should feel shame mm-hmm. that that's the situation that they're in. I know my wife
0: who's listening right now is going to be very encouraged by this <laughs> <instant>. <laughs> the two-year-old and a newborn. Um, yeah, so we, we understand our own context. I think also part of preparation, when possible, uh, is to try and understand the context of the passage too. Mm-hmm. Right Now, again, I, I understand like you just said, sometimes time constraints are limited, sometimes where people are at, they don't have access to all these other things. But there are helpful tools and trusted resources that can help you to understand what it is that you are reading. And it's not wasted time and it's not work that should be
1: only reserved for pastors and scholars. Make your reading Bible a study Bible. Yeah. There's some really, really good ones out there. Yeah. Um, the ESV study Bible it's is fantastic. If you're strong enough to carry it, if you've got a bad back, you might want to get <laughs> a different copy of something because it is a beast. <laughs> it is a beast. Uh, there's the NIV that... Is it uh, the Life
0: Application Bible? No, is that a, that's a different
1: one. No, the NIV one that Donald Carson did maybe three years ago. I'll oh, Google no. it while we're talking. But yeah. it, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, the Gospel Transformation Bible. It's a good one. Is a really great one what it does uniquely is that while while other uh versions of um while other versions of study bibles want to help explain sort of a historical context and that sort of thing the gospel transformation bible always Brings things back to the gospel itself, yeah, to the redemptive narrative, like where are we at in the story of God right. redeeming His people. So, yeah, so I get what's going on here, but what does this have to do with Christ on the cross, forgiveness of my sin? Yeah, and that's what the footnotes draw back to. I think, a, I think a, a good team effort of an ESE Study Bible and an ESE version of the Gospel Transformation Bible are. A brilliant combo to work with. Mm-hmm. That NIV one is called the Biblical Theology Study Bible. Nice. Okay. Um, cool. Which is great.
0: Yeah. But I think it's, it's important, again, uh, to use these resources so that we can get a better handle on what it is mm-hmm. that we're
1: reading. Um, yeah. And a lot of these Bibles, when you start a new book, just at the beginning of it, there's like three pages on a background of the book of the Bible. Yeah, read it. That's brilliant. Too. Yeah,
0: read it. It gives you that the... the the historical context, literary context, cultural things, themes to look out for, important words like that stuff. Again, this is not simply work just for pastors, and mm-hmm. and and we. It's a blessing that these types of resources are accessible for ev- for everyone now, um, and you don't need big bookshelves full of commentaries as much as you and I both love big bookshelves full of commentaries. Right. You don't need that to to do this. And, uh, and I, I, f- I believe it will enrich your Bible reading.
1: Yeah, if you're someone who has a little bit more time, learning how to do the inductive Bible study method mm. is uh, is pretty pretty brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to learn Hebrew and Koine to get more out of your Bible study. Yeah. All right. You and, don't even have to know that Koine is Greek. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've
0: got diligence, we've got preparation, and finally, prayer. The scriptures again, as we mentioned before, our product of the Holy Spirit working, it's only by the Spirit that we can understand it. We need to invite Him into the process, right? We need to be intentionally praying that God would help us to understand what we read, right. that He, that we, through prayer, right, these these first two things we talked about, this diligence and preparation, that He would uh, declutter our hearts and minds, mm-hmm. right? That That He would... Uh, enlighten us to what He wants us to receive, right? So the the prayer component is really important because it invi- it invites God to the party, so to speak. Um, I mean, and, and what it does is it, it reminds us that this is not just words on a page. This is this is our creator communicating something to us.
1: Yeah, and, and I would say, although it's written by individual authors, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. we recognize it as the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, how many times have you gotten a text or an email, and you read it, and you're like, I don't understand the tone with which they're saying this. Right. I would, it'd be nice to have them here while I read this, so I could ask a couple of questions along the way. Yeah. To give me a little bit more insight. That's mm-hmm. what it means to read, with the Holy Spirit, right? right. To, to take that time of prayer, uh, to have Him guide us through the Word. Also, a prayer of humility in my own heart, sure. like we talked about, the the idea of reading the Bible through the lenses, lens of an agenda. Um, we can do that and not even know about it. And so just taking an opportunity to be like, I don't think I'm doing that. Mm. But wherever that might be a temptation, you know, just... Set me at zero and uh, and give me fresh eyes mm-hmm. to read this with.
0: Yeah. And so the Catechism says we do it with diligence, preparation, and prayer so that, firstly, we can accept it with faith. Mm-hmm. So do do we begin with the assumption that we will accept what the Word says as true? Right? Are, are, do we view Scripture as having the same authority as Christ and the Apostles did? They saw it as being something to be accepted, right. something to be believed, something to be trusted in. And if we're wrestling in receiving something from God's word, we go back to the prayer and we pray that he would strengthen our faith or grow our faith so that we might receive it. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's a, that's an important, an important thing to do because the word, the word is going to challenge us sometimes, right? The word mm-hmm. is going to af- offend our, our human sensibilities sometimes right? right but are are we over the text or are we under the text are we put ourselves under the text right so i think that's again something that we need to prepare ourselves to do
1: sure yeah
0: so we accept it with faith we store it in our hearts um i mean storing storing in our hearts i mean that's i mean memorization scripture memorization is huge. Mm-hmm. I don't do enough of it, but every time I do it, we do it for some of our, our small group stuff or book study stuff or Bible study stuff. And every time we do it, it's, it's so in- enriching, I find.
1: Yeah. I, um, I, find that as I'm memorizing a passage, I, I fall in love with it mm-hmm. in a deeper way. Yeah. I, I understand it better and I appreciate it more mm-hmm. after giving it the effort of, of understanding. Yeah.
0: It. So memorizing, uh, meditating on scripture, I think mm-hmm. is good. Right. Just working, maybe even just a verse over and over in our minds. Um, writing it down. Some people do journaling, that sort of thing, but like writing it down can be really helpful, um, for some come just coming back to it again and again, right? These are all ways that we can store God's word in our hearts in a way that, that lasts longer than just that moment where we're, you know, reading our Bible in the morning or the moment where we hear the word being read in the church service. And it kind of comes, and we're like, oh, that's great, or that's encouraging, or that's convicting, and then it just kind of flutters away.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: And then finally, we have to practice it in our lives, right? Yes,
1: we do. That's huge. This is this is one of the things that I've said a couple of times that sometimes comes out as a shocker to people. You are not, as a Christian, called to pray and read your Bible as an end. Right. The point isn't to get you to read your Bible more or to pray more. The point is to have your heart changed to be more like Christ and that you would do what he has called you to do in the way that you live. Hmm. The Bible and prayer then become a means to that end. Right. The end is obedience and -hmm. transformation. Mm -hmm. The Bible and prayer are means to an end. Right, but a lot of times we look at them as if they themselves are the end. Right, right. And we have this sort of like sticker chart mentality with God, <laughs> and and it's 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 just sort of like, oh, I'm having a rough day. You know what? I I knew it. I I, I skipped my Bible reading today, and this is this is God coming at me. <laughs> I've, I've heard people say that <laughs> right. kind of thing. Right, right. And you're like, no, that. One, we are not so works-based. One, Two, God is not so fickle. Mm-hmm. And three, the point of having you read your Bible and spend time with him in prayer is not to pacify him as if he was this ancient God who becomes angry and attacks his people if they don't give him the due sacrifices that he has asked for. Right. The point is that we would know him and that we would be changed to live like him. Mm -hmm. Bible and prayer are a means to that end. Mm -hmm. And if we take everything that we've talked about today and we spend it on getting more time in the Bible and more quality time in the Bible without this final outcome, Arguably mm-hmm. it's in vain. Yeah, we fall short, right? It's not just enough for us to be
0: exposed to scripture, although that's good. And it's not enough for us just to be informed or even convinced by scripture, although mm-hmm. those things are good. Um, but we we have to be faithfully practicing what we believe. Right. Right? We if, if if and if we indeed believe it to be true, then it should it should necessarily translate into the way we live our lives. The phrase that I like to use, um, maybe it's a bit it become a bit of a cliche for me, but that we not only be informed, but also
1: transformed, right? And, and to be truthful, sometimes I think people are like, well, okay, so maybe I'm not as obedient and living the way that I do, but I probably am buying myself some level of credit by the fact that I do read my Bible regularly. Mm. Interestingly enough, the more informed we become— without being transformed, we're moving from the position of disobedience due to ignorance into disobedience as willful rebellion. Rebellion. Yeah. Or yeah. willful neglect. Yeah. Because we are informed. Yeah. Yet not transformed. That's true. That's a good point. And so actually you're not <laughs> helping yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not helping yourself or your cause. Do and both. Do both. If I was going to add one to this, I yep. would say in community.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: i i think reading the scripture in community um is important yeah um because there's only so much we can do on our own and and i think i think our time in the word has already become too much about those first hours of the morning me by myself Mm -hmm. um but when we are in community reading the word and discussing the word and working through the word we come to a greater understanding of it and greater appreciation of it mm-hmm. um and and also there's a greater accountability to the things that we're learning true um because we have people that we know we've worked with and discussed these things with and so the idea of doing the word in community mm-hmm. is is huge in the development of a believer yeah i would agree algo anything else I don't know why we did that in Spanish. That's fine. Just happens. Switch it up. Happens, yeah. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. Take care.